0: Thanks for pressing play. This is me, Lena Riggs, with the Unhustle podcast. A podcast where we challenge hustle, busyness, burnout, stress, always-on mentality and life in the fast lane. A podcast where we transform lives, inspire change, and shift perspectives. A place where we redefine a new, or shall we say, an old way of living. We share stories of people who will inspire you, challenge you, and motivate you to unhustle, claim back your time, follow your dreams, and live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilling life. Thank you for joining us. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Ashley. Good morning. Ah,
1: Good morning. It's so nice to finally be together.
0: Finally, we made it. (laughs) There was a few rescheduling um, conflicts, but we got it done.
1: We did. We persevered and found <laughs> a time to it together.
0: <laughs> so, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know we are all running around changing people's lives, so uh, I really appreciate it. And um, I wanted to just touch base with you today and ask you a few questions and um, make that available to um both of our audiences, people, <laughs> tribe. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'd like to just give people an idea of who you are because um, I think your life is um, is quite exciting. It's been a you've been on an exciting journey. Mm-hmm. So Ashley. Um, after 15 years working in commercial, commercial real estate in New York City, Ashley Grabber changed the coast um, she lived on and the direction of her life all at the same time. And she went from real estate to the world of psychology and meditation and mindfulness. So I love that and definitely want to talk more about this. Mm-hmm. And he also came to these practices after getting sober and in the decade plus since, you now run a busy mindfulness-based psychotherapy practice in Santa Monica, and you work there with adults and young children. Mm-hmm. So, Ashley's unique combination of psychotherapy, trauma reprocessing, and meditation and mindfulness practices make her sought-after educator and speaker. I love what you do. So, I really, really want to talk to you about. A little bit about your story. Tell me how you got to what you're doing. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of transition in your life. That's a, lot of, uh, that's a lot of changes happen. So walk me through it.
1: Sure, I would love to. So, you know, I, I come from a family of business people. And so I just sort of naturally thought, and real estate at that. And I so I just naturally thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. And, you know, the supposed to is the key word there. And so uh-huh. I did. It was sort of what I knew. And I did it actually in San Francisco. And then I moved to New York City. And I was a commercial real estate broker. And I was good at it. And I think for the most part, I enjoyed it. Um, I was in New York city at a time when there was a massive boom in real estate. So I was walking people like Helmut Lang around Soho showing him space. And I really thought, Oh, I've arrived. This is it. Uh Um, and then nine 11 happened and when it did retail real estate, which is what I was doing all but stopped. And I just sort of naturally went into commercial real estate. I mean, into, excuse me, office real estate. And I realized when I went into that, that I didn't like real estate at all. What I liked was working with fashion and artists and people like that. And I think I liked working with famous people. You know, I mean, I think that was what sort of drew me to it. All the while, I was deep into my addiction. So ultimately, underneath it all, I wasn't happy or healthy,
0: Hmm. So was there like an aha moment? Was there like a specific time in place or a minute or an hour that you're like, nope, this isn't me? Or will it happen more gradually? How, how, how was that for you?
1: It's a really good question. So perfectionism has been a really big um, problem in my life up until getting sober. And the perfectionism kept me from saying I had a problem. However, at a certain point, um, which was actually some years after living in New York City, at a certain point, I remember thinking, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. And I remember saying a prayer. I'm not particularly religious, but saying a prayer that I would sort of be saved and soon after it, my prayer was answered, just not in the way that I, I sort of visualized it happening. And I went to my father and said, I have a problem. And I said, I don't know if it's the drugs and, and alcohol that's causing me anxiety and panic, or if it's the panic that's causing the drugs and alcohol, but whatever it is, I need help. Mm. And I moved out to, um, Malibu, actually, because I live in Los Angeles now. And I went to rehab there. And I really had no idea what I was going to do sort of afterwards. I just knew I needed help in that moment. And lucky for me, I couldn't see beyond the end of my nose. And in that rehab, I met a guy called Richard Burr who became my first meditation and mindfulness teacher. And I would sit with him almost every day and in any opportunity that I could, and I could barely sit still, but I knew after meeting with him that I felt better Mm -hmm. and I couldn't, sort of figure it out. I couldn't make sense of it because it felt so difficult to sit still and it felt so difficult to do the practices that he was asking me to do. But I could see that slight shift that something about it made me feel better. Mm -hmm. And so I to work with him for years and years afterwards and I just said to him I want to learn to live mindfully I don't even know if I know what that means in the beginning I didn't sort of know what what exactly it meant I knew I wanted a meditation practice and um, he taught me how to live mindfully not just practice mindfulness but how to live mindfully and he taught me how to meditate and we, he would write meditations for me. And we would come up with whatever sort of topic was happening or whatever thing was happening in my life. And the, at the time that was troubling me, we would make a meditation around it. And mm-hmm. he would sort of write them in the moment, even prayers sometimes in the moment that became meditations for me. And so my, my introduction into this was sort of through the back door, out of a need, And, um, and even at the time when I was working with Richard, I hadn't even yet decided that I was going to become a psychotherapist or a meditation teacher. I just knew I needed it for myself. And, um, and as the years rolled on, I actually was in a really bad car accident. And as a result, couldn't work for a while and got to a fork in the road where I could go back to the work that I was doing, which was okay. And I was a good at it. Or I could change and do something that I was really passionate about, which was psychology. And so I did. And I knew all the while I wanted to blend psychology and meditation and mindfulness. I didn't know exactly how I was going to do that. But I, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And my life has been such that whatever I wanted sort of will be put in front of me if I ask for it. And so... Um, a guy by the name of Elijah Goldstein spoke at my school. He's a wonderful psychologist and meditation teacher and author. And I ran up to him and said, I want to be just like you. How do I do that? (laughs) And he told me how to do, and I asked him if I could work for him because becoming a psychotherapist, we have to train under someone licensed. Mm -hmm. He happened to be writing a book at that time, but he said, My wife is trained just like me. So um, you could, you know, you guys could meet and you could work for her. And it turned out that they were opening the first ever um, center here in Los Angeles that blends both psychology and meditation and mindfulness. And so I was on the ground with them when they opened that up. So that's sort of the quick overview of of how I got to where I am. And Stephanie taught me to be a teacher. I didn't even really know I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I loved speaking, and I didn't know that I wanted to be a teacher. She could see that in me. And so it all sort of flourished from there.
0: Wow. Quite the journey and quite the story. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So um, what is mindful living?
1: Ah, such a good question. So I would say living mindfully is bringing mindfulness to everything that we do. Now, it's impossible to be in the present moment all the time. And we know that because our minds are going all the time. We have somewhere between 50,000 and 70,000 thoughts a day. And 80 to 90% of those thoughts are repetitive. So Our minds are going all the time, but living mindfully to me is really being able to train through meditation to be able to learn the nature of our minds and be able to train through meditation to be able to know how through body sensations or emotions that were activated or out of the present moment at a certain time and bringing these practices into everything. You know, it's a mindful shower, you know, it's walking through a doorway and noticing that you're transitioning. Right? Mm-hmm. It's shopping mindfully when you're making food. And it doesn't mean that we have to be sort of 100% centered on that thing all the time. But noticing when we're wandering and bringing ourselves back, it really weaving it in. I know you do so much outside, you know, and really in nature, can we stop and just drop into our senses? Hmm. Can we notice the, the sun on our face, right? Or the wind as it touches, breezes our skin. Can we stop and touch something that's near us and actually have a physical touch of, you know, uh, a tree? Can we just feel the bark and look at it, even if it's just for 15 seconds, You know, to me, that's doing it all the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I myself have changed my life a lot. I mean, I used to just be so not present and not mindful. And now I'm on the opposite side. So I've noticed that transition in me and I love it. I, 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 I love it. It's just, um, it's so cool when you're actually present and aware whether you're speaking with somebody uh whether you're you know working, whether you're outside in nature, whether you're cooking i mean it's just that mindfulness in everyday life um to me is is key to happiness i mean it's like you show up for the world and mm-hmm. and you're a hundred percent focused on on something, but a lot of people and technology clearly is is distracting us from that, and a lot of people have a lot of stuff going on in their minds so um i guess how do you go about um what's your advice to people who want to be more present and be more mindful what 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 would they do what's, what are some of the steps they can they can take to get there
1: sure it's a great question you know and i i love that you bring up technology as well you know i i i actually notice you know just for the listeners or people who are watching us I had text coming up on my computer, which we stopped before this recording so that they wouldn't come through in the recording. But I notice how much more relaxed I feel, not wondering if a text is going to come up because I would be sitting here thinking about it that would be running in the back of my mind, worried that it would disturb this recording that we're doing. So, you know, and I, and I love what you said earlier that you have a, you have your emails not come in until a certain time. You know and 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 yeah. really taking, you know, and I know on my phone recently I stopped the notifications for emails cuz I'm going to go in and check them. There's no question about that, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business person, if you're whatever, if you're working with other people, we need to know what's happening, especially if we have meetings or we're meeting up with people. So we're going to go in and check them. But noticing how much that distraction, how much this stuff coming at us all the time affects us. And the way that we, that we can notice that is to have curiosity around, can I turn these things off? And see what it's like for me. Is it really necessary for me to have it on? Because the the this news cycle that we're in in life, this sort of twenty four hour news cycle, this way in which we can all be in touch with each other, you know, in fourteen different ways, you yeah. know, phones, emails, it, social media, whatever it may be, yeah. It, it's pulling our attention all the time. And what happens is, is that we acclimate to that. It's like the myth of the boi- of the boiling frog, right? The myth of the boiling frog is that if you put a frog in, boil- in warm water and you keep heating it up, that the frog is just going to acclimate to that. And we acclimate to the stress as well. We acclimate to getting used to being sort of pinged by things all the time. So my suggestions is always to have curiosity around the things? Can Mm -hmm. I just see whether I can do without, you know, notifications? I don't know whether I'm going to turn them back on on my computer or not after this call. I'm guessing not. But (laughs) if it were necessary, I may want to do that. But I'm giving myself the option to have curiosity around this. And for people who don't have practices, who are really wanting to sort of get into this, that the expectation they're going to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes out the gate is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Can you start with 10 deep breaths or five deep breaths? Can you set an alarm in your phone that goes off at 11 o'clock in the morning and you just go, right? Can you walk from your car to your office, noticing what it's like to take each step?
0: Mm-hmm. You.
1: Can you notice what's around you and name a few things? Can we just tap into our senses in any way? If you're transitioning, you know, so many business people go from meeting to meeting and phone call to phone call and, you know, um, project to project, but never allow their brain to transition, you know, never sort of allow their body to even transition. Can you just take a moment as you're walking through a doorway and take a breath? you know, okay, I'm going into something else. And the key is really is that we're not focused when we're going thing to thing to thing to thing. So if we want to be more productive, we actually really should slow down and take a few breaths before because it actually gives our brain more time to work. We just override that all the time. So bringing curiosity to if I stop for a minute and take a breath before I go into the next meeting, what's that like for me? What do I notice? At night. Okay. I would notice that they feel better <laughs> and more focused.
0: You're so on point, and I've changed a lot about the way I work, mm-hmm. so I can, you know, I can change, um, so I can, so I can allow my brain to focus. So, for example, I used to multitask, you know, listening to a podcast or listening to something in the background while working on a project. I can't do it anymore. I realize that I, I, my brain is either there or here, and and I'm not doing neither one of them a service if i'm doing both so it's it's uh, it's really bizarre when you start paying attention to to what's happening in your mind and your brain i think you're so on point with the curiosity right. Um, I don't have any notifications on my phone um, because I know that dopamine response. I used to do social media. So I had to get rid of all notifications. I know what social media did to my brain. I completely scrambled my brain. So now I'm on the opposite side of things, but um, I don't have any notifications on my phone or on my computer. I refuse to do so. And at the end of the day, if I miss a meeting, I miss a meeting. Um mm-hmm. but I'm not jeopardizing the rest of my workload and the rest of the people that I have committed to because of of one meeting. So it's so uh, key to to um, I guess allow yourself to explore different options and and that curiosity you're talking about um, and, and just, seeing what would happen and breathing. So important. I, I realized so many people are actually not breathing.
1: Mm, it's so true when I, because no matter who I work with and because I literally work with four year olds and 75 year olds, I mean, and everything in between. Um, and it never ceases to amaze me when I have somebody do a grounding exercise where they're just using their eyes and naming things and, 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 and describing them, or if I have them take a few deep breaths or listen for some sounds, and then I say to them, what do you notice? Invariably, they feel calmer, right? They may not have eradicated the stress in their life, but they, have, they notice that they feel calmer. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's, I I always use this metaphor because I think it's one everyone can understand. If you want to build muscles in your body, but you go to the gym once a week, you're not going to build muscles and you're very quickly for sure. Right. And if at all, and, but if you go to the gym and lift weights, you know, three, four, five times a week, you're going to see change. And if you do it consistently, then you're really going to see change. And that's what these practices are. I mean, we know in neuroscience that our brain can be changed. We know that we can build new neural pathways in our brain. So if we practice at this, it will happen, you know? And I I, I was explaining, as I was explaining to you earlier, I have, you know, something awful happening with my beloved dog. Mm -hmm. And this is probably... This is probably the hardest thing I've ever been through. And I've said to so many people during this, I don't know where I would be without my practice. Because my brain wants to wander to the worst case scenario all day long. And I, because of my practice, I can notice that come back and be present, be focused. Know just by taking a few breaths, by looking around, that I can get back to right here where I can see clearly what's happening around me, where I can focus, where I'm not giving my body literally like over activation to the point where it feels uncomfortable. And once we start to practice these things, it becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is to do the have consistency so it becomes second nature. So when the big things happen, we know exactly what to do.
0: And I'm, I'm so sorry what's happening with your dog. At the same time, speaking about dogs, dogs are, they're constantly present. They're constantly yes. in the moment. and And I've learned so much from my dog about, you know, being <laughs> present and being in the moment. And they're great teachers. So... <laughs>
1: They really are. are. Well, I often will teach people too to have, because so many of us have pets, to have um, another way to live mindfully is to take a moment with your pet and feel their fur, right? Look at their nose, feel their little wet nose, touch their paws, right? See what you notice differently. And you're living mindfully. That's getting present to be with your dog. Watch them run and play.
0: My dog actually I refuse to take my iPhone um, with me when I'm walking my dog um, mm-hmm. and then sometimes I will and she would the look she gives me was is like um. You're supposed to be here with me in nature. <laughs> what are you doing staring at the iPhone? I mean, she's actually, she does that thing with, the, with the, she's more used, well, used with me working on the computer, but I'll, if I'm outside and I look at my phone, she gets so mad at me. It's funny.
1: That's hilarious that you say that because Otis, my dog, he'll stop walking.
0: He'll right. he just
1: puts his on and won't walk if I'm looking at my phone. And then the minute I put my phone away, he'll, he'll start walking again.
0: Yeah, Same they thing. know.
1: What are we doing here? We're outside. It's beautiful.
0: (laughs) Come on, mom. Stop looking at (laughs) the phone. (laughs) Exactly. So they're great teachers. So, um, I got a question for you. Um, I mean, you have your practice and you have, you you do so much. Um, I I was trying to, you know, doing a little bit of research on you and I see Ted talks and you write, And and you contribute articles. I mean, you do so much in your life, in your life and your daily life. So, um, how do you find find time for everything?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. So balance has been, uh, balance is, I think, probably my biggest struggle that um, I feel like I can do more than the average bear um, because of whatever. I don't know what it is. I have a lot of energy. I'm capable of sort of doing a lot of things, but it's a blessing and a curse, Because I can get a lot of things done, but I can find myself too busy, you know, on, you know, and then sort of like, I'll sort of open up some space in my schedule and then say, I'm not going to fill it. And then I'll fill it again. So this you know, ability to stay balanced is is a work in progress, you know, to not be doing too much. I would say that over the last year, I've probably done better at this than at any point in my life. And it's really been deepening into checking in with what is important to me, you know, what feels like um, I couldn't not do it because it's really my life's work, you know, it's really important to me. And so, um, it's meant as of late letting go of a few things and deciding, is it absolutely 100% what I want to do and what is important to me? Or is it, is it just good? And I feel like I have to do, you know, I, I have a sort of have to or a should to with it. And I really check in with myself around when I think about this thing, what do I notice in my body? Does it feel like a yes or does it feel like, oh, there's some resistance to it? And, you know, the fact is, is that, you know, the things that come along, like Ted, you know, the Ted stuff and, um, You know, even the column and things like that. You know, I love doing things like that. And I just find a way to do it without overdoing it. So I have certain hours of the day that I work, and I don't work at certain hours of the day. And it's early in the morning, and I'm not like a night person. Mm -hmm. So if I can't fit it into those hours, With And I don't mean working nonstop, but if I can't fit my work into those hours, then it's too much work for me. So I have really had to look at, you know, is it worth it to me to do more and be um, stressed or is it worth it or do I want to give myself that? And, you know, as I said, it's a work in progress, but I managed to do the things that I love in the hours- that I have sort of set aside for myself, but I'm very strict about those hours.
0: How many hours do you, would you say you, you work in a week?
1: Oh, I don't know actually exactly because, I mean, that's a good question. I've never actually added it up. Um, you know, the first few hours of my morning, I don't work. I don't do any work and um, and I don't do work after eight p.m. And I and I really only work until 8 p.m. one night a week. Um, no, two nights a week, excuse me. Um, I mean, I would say there's 40 hours in there. I've never actually added it up because mm-hmm. depending on sort of how many clients I have face-to-face, how many presentations I'm doing, any teaching that I'm doing, mm-hmm. it's changes based on some of the things that aren't ongoing. My, my Of course, my one-to-one clients are ongoing, but whatever else I have in there, it changes. So based on that would be how much time I'm sort of spending on things. I may not spend as much time in a week if I'm not preparing for a presentation or preparing for um, Mm -hmm. a talk of some sort.
0: So you mentioned some really, really key key things in there. I kind of want to recap a few, Uh, but uh, Mm -hmm. basically knowing your values and knowing what's really important to you and doing your commitments from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I got this right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then also touching into your, your body intelligence and tapping in and asking your body instead of just your head, is this really important for me? And does that really resonate with my body? I think that's key there as well. And then it sounds like you, you don't really have a strict, um, work time schedule, but you, you kind of ebb and flow and you have some weeks when, when you have m- more stuff that are busy and then some weeks that, that you don't, um, and I think that balance is also really important because it's not just, Oh, I'm going to be balanced every day. Cause that's not real life. It's not going to happen. But as long as you find that balance from periods to periods, like a busy period to non-busy period, busy period, non-busy period. And then finally, it's always work in progress because no one is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) But I like all all these takeaways. Thank you so much. Um,
1: Well, I think, you know, just to add one more thing to that, you know, we teach what we most need to know, right? And, you know, one of the reasons that I teach – this stuff is because i'm challenged by it too you know trying to stay balanced and stay present and do all of it so
0: that's so true and so um in the um off times how do you take care of yourself what are you some Mm -hmm. self-care practices that you do
1: that's such a great question so uh i love to dance and Mm. Dancing for me is uh, the ultimate freedom. It's my body feels amazing in the process of it and afterwards. So I do a lot of dancing and that could mean in a dance class, like a Zumba class or a hip hop class or something like that it could also mean that i'm jamming out to music in my house and or my backyard and dancing around. I'm
0: coming and, out like, to you do you have a party?
1: <laughs> Anyone who knows me knows that that is happening a lot. But, um, and then i also love to hike. I mean it's probably like my second, you know, i don't even know if dancing or hiking if they're first or second, but those are my my great loves of of moving my body. Um, I do, you know, anytime I can get outside, I do, even if it's, I have a lovely backyard, which I find myself laying on my back often in, and just staring at the clouds, just sounding down into the earth. I love to travel and I set aside as much time as I can to do that, you know, and then the sort of ones you would expect, you know, regular meditation. I get really good sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, I love a good manicure and pedicure and facial, um, or a massage, any of those things and spending time with family and friends, you know, really just no phones, no distractions, um, hanging out, you know, with people and, um, and connecting. That's a really important piece. I'm at, and what people would describe as an, uh, an extroverted introvert, which means I love to be around people and spend time with them, but it also takes my energy when I'm around a lot of people. So um, part of my self-care is also regaining my energy by being quiet. And it doesn't necessarily mean I'm sitting in meditation, but I also just need to be quiet and with not a lot of distraction to refuel my energy.
0: Mm, Interesting. If you were to, um, to go on a deserted island. What's one thing you would bring with you?
1: Oh, such a good question. I mean, my immediate thought is Otis, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I think, yeah. But I think if it weren't Otis, then it would be a way to be able to play music so I could dance.
0: There you go. I love it. I yeah. love it.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um.
0: What advice do you have for people who are hustling?
1: Oh, good question. I love your whole idea of unhustling. Thank you. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of what we've talked about today, you know, really, I I'm, I was suggested to me by um, my mentor, Sam, to read um, the book Essentialism by Greg McAllen. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I was speaking to before of, is it really important to me? You know, when I check in with my body, what is it telling me? Is it telling me that this is something I want to do, or is this something it's telling me that I should be doing? And that if a person checks in and has no little to no ability to be able to tell what that is, that's okay. But go work with somebody who can help them drop into their body because the wisdom isn't up here. We like to think it is. I mean, I know you know that, Mm -hmm. but we like to think our wisdom is up here, but it's really not. It's in our body. So if you're hustling right now, but don't want to be and can't sort of tell, well, when I check in, I don't even know what I'm looking for start working with somebody that you can, that can help you drop into that, you know, and if you're hustling and you desire not to be to start a meditation or mindfulness practice, my suggestions always, um, because I believe they're separate and complementary practices to be doing both, even if it's just a breath once a day, and that's where you start or five breaths in the morning, Mm -hmm. those would the things because it's hard to even know we're hustling without the awareness that we're hustling. You know, so the practices will help us start to see how much we're doing that. Um, and, you know, if you're hustling and you feel like you can't, to really work with somebody that can talk you through that because you can hustle for a long time until you hit a wall and you stop hustling and it happens to everyone. And we think we're immune to it, but I think we've probably all done it at some time or another. And the speed at which we hit that wall is usually pretty fast. So um, I would say to really try to work with somebody. I mean, of course, I'm biased to, you know, therapy, but coaching and, you know, even somatic work, just anybody that could help you to, to be able to not only check in, but to slow down um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for the sole reason of being able to go longer. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's the sort of trick of this whole thing is that when we slow down, we actually have a longer trajectory.
0: Yeah. And we actually, I've noticed that when you slow down, you actually accomplish more.
1: Yes. And you you
0: actually accomplish more meaningful work. That's right because you get clear on your priorities. But yeah, these are some great points, Ashley. Um, I also know that you have your own um, meditation app. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, even flow is different um, from other meditation apps, because um, what we did as a group is that we brought in um, psychotherapists and meditation teachers as the meditation teachers. So they have the mix of the both of those things. And the reason that we felt very strongly about mixing meditation and psychotherapy is that oftentimes people don't understand why they do what they do or why something is happening in the way that it's happening. And then additionally, you know, we can do our practice so we sit down and we call it on the cushion, right? You sit down, you do your practice, then you walk out your door and sort of everything is out the window. And so we need our mindfulness practice to back us up to support us in those moments of need So what we've done is that we give people insight to understand Based on particular topics why they're doing what they do or why something is happening in the way that it's happening We do a meditation on the topic and then in the end we give what we call a takeaway And the takeaway is the practice to do off your cushion if you're sitting eyes closed that's on your cushion off your cushion is when you're out in life so anxiety is an example anxiety rises and somebody goes oh yeah. yeah 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 ashley said to do this right to stop to look around to ground to breathe when i start to feel this and what happens is is that when we practice that in the moment that's when those neural pathways those new neural pathways get built right it's when those moments when our brain goes oh oh, we can do this differently. We don't override the anxiety. We don't override the stress. We actually stop and help ourselves in the moment. So that's what makes it different.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm going to go and check it out right now. Good. Um, All right. Well, I know we both have to wrap this conversation up. I can talk to you a whole day. I have so many more to ask you. (laughs) Um, good. What are you currently working on, Ashley?
1: Uh, thanks for asking. So I, I have my private practice in Santa Monica. As I said, I work with kids, little kids and adults. Um, and I, as you know, how we met, I have a syndicated column. Um, a syndic- I'm a syndicated columnist um, on my topic is slow down to do more. So I um interview a lot of people. That's how obviously that's how you and I met. Um on what their um tips and tricks are to being in the business world um and being able to accomplish a lot by going slower. So that's a really important topic to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the truth of it all. Um, and then I do speaking and teaching and presenting. And, um, you know, I have a couple things in the hopper that I'm working on a couple places that I'm going to go and present at. It's, um, my true passion is uh, teaching and educating people and speaking. And so any opportunity that I have to get in front of a company or um, an organization to teach about these practices, I do it. Um, I, I really fashion myself as um, a person who makes these this stuff simple um, because it's simple. It's not necessarily easy, but it can be very simple. And so my work is really getting out there and talking to people about it so that people can have a realistic practice, not one that they um, just sort of grab onto every once in a while.
0: I love it. I love it. I'll be following you around and hopefully we can <laughs> meet in person somewhere.
1: <laughs> I would love that. We're not too far from each other right now. But. Yeah, not at all.
0: Not at all. Uh-huh. Okay, where can people uh, find out more about you and connect with you?
1: Sure, that's great. So I have actually two websites. Um, my therapy website is my first name, last name, and then therapy.com. So it would be Ashley Graber therapy.com so it's a-s-h-l-e-y i think you'll probably have it in this g-r-a-b like boy e-r and then therapy.com and then my syndicated column is at just ashleygraber.com but you can also find that from my therapy website
0: perfect and i'll put all these uh links at the, (coughs) the bottom of the blog post yeah in the in the podcast um okay do you have something you wanna leave us with for today?
1: Uh, leave you with, let's see. Um, Yeah. So I love Viktor Frankl's quote. Um, He was an Austrian neurologist, um, psychiatrist, and Holocaust survivor. And he is, um, he teaches... So much of what we talk about in meditation and mindfulness. So he says between stimulus and response, there is a space in that space lies your power to choose your response. And in your response lies your growth and your freedom.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah. So that is what we talk about in mindfulness, that if we have a stimulus and a reaction they go, hand it, they go one beat right behind each other. But when we start to practice mindfulness, we can have a stimulus, mindfulness, and a response. So I just say we can change our lives and feel so much better when we do these practices.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Ashley. It was great to connect with you today. Um, thank you. I really appreciate your time. And um, I look forward to um, following you. Um, online and in the offline world
1: wonderful it was so great to to get together and chat and i uh and i look forward to whatever comes next
0: thank you ashley have a great day
1: you too bye-bye
0: thank you for listening to the unhustle podcast a place where we have real unedited conversations on the topics of hustle burnout stress life in the fast lane and more. We hope you enjoyed it as much as I did interviewing our guest. Connect with us at unhustle.com and follow us on social media at unhustle experiences. Thank you for listening today. Stay unhustled.